Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Ruby Hao Shan, first vice president of transformation at Aboitiz Group. And Ruby is an accomplished senior HR leader with nearly two decades of professional experience delivering innovative HR solutions that align with business goals. She's a trusted advisor to senior executives and a partner in helping shape people's strategy. She's currently working on business transformation, developing edge products, projects using the exponential organization framework, exposing her to scenario planning, wargaming, and new technology. She's also a 2022 Philippines Top 30 Leaders on LinkedIn candidate, HRD Asia 2022 hot list, and for 2023, it's ETHRC 100 HR icon. I've asked Ruby to join us here today to talk about her professional journey, as well as culture, hybrid work, leadership, human resources, and employer branding. So Ruby, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. And I feel great to share with you this afternoon my experiences. So go on right away and ask your questions. Yeah, I want to get into it because obviously not everybody gets to become a thought leader in a space, especially one. That is such a huge opportunity as well as pain point for a lot of people, right? That's a big topic is staff. That's capital and teams and people. Those are the two primary levers for a lot of businesses. So before we get into that, I always always like to ask, how did you get started in business? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs and business people or how did you even get going? So my career is actually not linear. So if I share with you my background, I'm sure you'll be very surprised. I come from a family. My parents are both educators. They taught grade school, children, basic education. Um, and they've worked with the government, the public school for a long time. So both of them are retired now. My background, my I took BS statistics. So I have a bachelor's in statistics from the University of the Philippines. And so when I graduated, it was practical to go into the line of work that's aligned to what I have studied. So I went into market research. And my very first job was already with the Aboitis group. So that was 29 years ago. What? What? You look great. What are you, 31? (laughs) <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. I would take that. <laughs> I started as a market researcher. The Aboidis group back then was with shipping. So it was with Super Ferry. It was a very popular brand decades ago. And I was just lucky that I was with a group that's also my age. So everybody was fresh graduates from different universities in the Philippines. So we were traveling around the country. We were talking to customers. We were just like college students with a little who's getting paid and can travel together. So it was really so much fun. I think because of that's the main reason why I stayed with the Aboitis group for a long time. Because of that kind of learning environment and having fun while you're doing work. It's not that our work is not important, but... 
it's really very important because we get to report to the board, to the president of the company. But at the same time, there's really so much of discovering things about ourselves and also about the business. Mm. So that was my first track in the Abortis group. And from there, um, I moved on to building websites. Can you imagine a time when there were no websites yet? <laughs> so we were one of the first groups in the Philippines that introduced e-commerce through e-ticketing. We were selling passenger tickets online. Um, wow. For the super ferry, yes, we were doing that. In, I think at the same time uh, with Philippine Airlines, so we are the counterpart in terms of the shipping side of the industry. So I was with that. We were attending what they call this the Philippine Web Awards. So it's like the Oscars for <laughs> Philippines website. So it was so much fun discovering that. So you can see that. In Aboitis, I was able to experience a lot of transformation, like from manual ticketing to online ticketing, e-commerce. So from IT, when I was already in IT, so from market research, I moved on to IT handling, being part of the team that's developing the websites. Um, I get to be, I was promoted to manager. So I was working a lot about, I was working with people and I had the team with me already. And it was just very natural for me to take on programs or projects that would involve people and development. So I was representing the IT group. So at that time, it was around 2004, I told myself, maybe I should pursue this, working with people and organizations. So I enrolled myself in a strategic HR management course. And then after that, when I graduated, my mentors found out that Oh, you studied HR on your own? So they gave me, they actually gave me a break and said, okay, why don't you try, why don't you move to HR and become one of the first human resource business partner? So that was in 2005. So I've been with HR ever since 2005 and I have handled different areas in HR. I also ventured out of the Aboitis group. So in 2011, I moved to another company. I joined another company. And then in 2017, I came back to the Aboitis group. Wow. So that's my career story. No, I love that. And there's some real, it's like you found your ikigai. There's some real gems in there, I think, for people where you got into an opportunity, you were doing what was thrown your way, but you didn't just wait for life to give you something. You actually pursued your interest and developed. So there's something called the income earning ladder. I talk about on the show sometimes where at the bottom you have generalists, like a dentist and a generalist makes whatever a general, all the other generalists makes like a dentist. And then you have specialists and a specialist, maybe like an orthodontist and the dentist might be able to figure out that work, but nobody wants to be experimented on. So you pay extra money to see an orthodontist because there's a higher degree of certainty in the outcome, right? You're paying for that specialized knowledge. And people who learn earn more than specialists tend to be the trainers of specialists. And there's two reasons for that. One, because they have an extra income stream training people to become a specialist, but also they can typically command a higher fee because even though they may not be the best in the industry, by being a trainer, people have more confidence they're going to get at minimum industry standard, right? They're not going to get bottom of the pack. You're a trainer. You're not going to be bottom of the pack, I hope. And then the people who make more than the trainers of specialists are the celebrities because of supply and demand, right? They just, if you auction off an hour of your time, if you're like in the Philippines, like a Chiquitan or like a Dr. Oz or something, you've 
that's so many followers. If you auction off an hour of your time, just the bidding of it, supply and demand gets you a higher fee. So you took your natural interest and went and got educated and you got specialized knowledge on your own in a topic and the company hats off to them. They said, hey, you are naturally interested in this. Let's encourage you to pursue that. And you basically found your Ikigai, which is a Japanese term. I don't know. Are you familiar with Ikigai? I started reading a book about it. Yes, it's just here. <laughs> oh, wow. So the Ikigai is like the thing. It's the intersection of your passions and your purpose and what you can get paid for. And it's something that you could do for the rest of your life. To you, it feels like play, but people pay you to do it. And so I just think that's a great illustrative story for people listening here is do what you got to do keep going. And I just love that you were like, I thought I had interest in this. So I went and did a course like that. I can just tell that was basically almost like a, you, your life path could have gone one way or another. And you took control of it and really educated yourself and you made it happen. Basically they say success is when preparation meets opportunity. And I think that's exactly what that was. That's fantastic. Now, had there been challenges? Obviously there must've been some challenges. Has it just been like easy peasy doing HR? Have you had to learn some things looking back? Were there phases of development? First, I had to learn, you know, how, I don't know how to, I'm just making this up, but like how to give constructive criticism. And then I had to learn how to do training programs to meet objectives. And then I had, you feel like there was a progression of obstacles that you had to overcome and level up as you've come to where you are now? Definitely. There's always, I think, a peaks and valleys in terms of your development because you get to, for example, study something and then you're very good at that and then you apply it and then you'd like to try something new. So my, my what I tell myself is that it's okay to be sometimes at the bottom again. Mm -hmm. As I have shared with you, I was with market research and then I was doing re-engineering. And then when I went to e-commerce, I didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. It was just my eagerness to learn that's what I brought right when I went to I and right. then I'm 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 not afraid to ask questions I'm not mm -hmm. afraid to tell people that I don't know anything about this but I am very much willing to learn so if you teach me I'm for sure I will give my all to it just like what you shared with me earlier yep. right so if you do something you're there all the way yeah and then the same thing with HR when I was new in HR all I knew was like my experience because I was already a manager. I was already a people manager. I was leading teams. So kind of have that I knowledge on leadership and management. I've done training. But technically in HR, all I had was academic knowledge, right? So I had to apply it and I had to keep on learning. And because in Aboitis, I was in this group, in this company, there are very strong leaders that I can count on. We, I have mentors, I have coaches. So it was very easy for me to ask them. And they're very generous with their knowledge. And they really, I felt, I really felt that there are leaders who got my back and they wouldn't let me fail. So they would give me, uh, in the beginning, they gave me a small scope so that I will be successful. So they set me up for success. So I think that those things are very important. There are yeah. very difficult things in HR, such as employee discipline or when there are times when you have to cut costs, for example, and you have to explain that to people, what would be the effect, for example, in terms of their merit increases, in terms of training and development, how do we continue doing that when we're cutting costs, for example. But those are the realities in HR. And as I 
uh, grow in my HR knowledge and my scope became wider and expanded, I got to work with more senior leaders mm -hmm. and that all together is another challenge, right? How do you, right. yes, how do you connect with them? How do you implement their vision, for example? And these are not always aligned because mm -hmm. in reality, there are different objectives from different departments. So you have to make sense and integrate all of these and ensure that you bring out the best in the organization. I'm a writer downer. So when I look away, I'm not looking away. I'm, I've got my notepad. I'm taking pages. I hope the listeners are too. <laughs> now, what, now, what would you recommend to someone? Because a lot of our listeners are small and medium-sized business owners, or maybe they're a manager of a department. What would you recommend to someone who's either starting out or struggling with hiring? I know that, especially for a lot of small business owners, that's a real pain point for them is learning how to hire effectively at a delegate train, like you said, employee discipline you know, setting expectations. It's such a big topic. We don't have enough time to cover everything, but just if someone's just starting and struggling with it, do you have any quick tips for where, what should they do? I think right now there are so many resources that are available for us. Unlike before when I was starting, you have to pay for all kinds of training. But now the training and development has been democratized. We have podcasts like this. They mm -hmm. can listen and they can learn. So I think first and foremost, we should eliminate ignorance and people should really take advantage of what's available out there that's for free. So it's not just the resources because they can go to you to LinkedIn. There's so much material on LinkedIn right now. They can listen to podcasts. There are free courses by different universities around the world. You don't have to travel to, to the U.S. or to Europe to get all of these trainings. So they should take advantage of that. And because of social media, we're able to network to, with different kinds of people. Like, for example, mm. the two of us. Yep. A few weeks ago, we didn't know each other. Now we're talking like friends, right? And right. a lot of people are willing to share their knowledge. So don't be afraid to ask. I've done that myself. For example, when I was learning about psychological safety, it was introduced like maybe to us, maybe six, five, six years ago. I reached out to one of the experts who is residing in Australia and he I was surprised because he answered me and he was able to we chatted with each other we connected and he gave me some tips and advice on how to promote psychological safety in our work environment so it's great there's a lot of things out there that's very that's accessible to even for small companies I think that's a great tip I think that's a great tip and so now, if you're, I don't know if you are like, what are you doing as a transformational, what is it, the first vice president of transformation? Can you talk about that? What it, What is that? What are you doing in that role? So this role is very exciting. So actually, I just started here last year. So from HR, I now move to transformation. And transformation is not just about HR, but I'm very much involved in culture and people transformation. So let me just give you some context. Our organization, the Aboitis Group, this is a 100-year-old, more than 100-year-old conglomerate in the Philippines. So it's one of the biggest and it operates in different industries. So our president and CEO, Sabina Boyce, he's a visionary. So he said, we will go through transformation. So it's called the Great Transformation 2025. Mm. So he has a vision that by 2025, we will be more of like a 
technology company operating in different industries. So when I joined the transformation team, we hired a CTO, a brilliant CTO, chief transformation officer. And she is she brought with her this vision as well and a framework on how to transform organizations. I just finished a what we call a voyage. So it's a 12-week sprint wherein we start with ideation, with thinking of problems that we can solve and then look at our purpose and then we ideate how can we use for example for our team how can we use digital disruptive technologies in order to transform something and from that we form initiatives or projects we present it to the investment committee and then the investment committee would evaluate it and say if this initiative will push through to the next level and will be developed at the same time we're working on we have the we have the culture pillar as well i'm working with what we call the culture pillar who which is looking at mindsets of people behaviors and leadership behaviors so that we make sure that we have the behaviors that are needed to transform the organization to 2025. Mm. So there's a lot of things going on and it's very exciting. A lot of learnings for me. So as, as I have shared earlier, I'm very glad that in my generation, in my particular experience, I have experienced no internet right. and then we have internet. <laughs> what, how amazing that is. Kids today, they don't even understand what it was like to have to go... Like you used to have to drive to a library, then you'd have to look up what section, and then you have to go to that section and comb through all the books. And then you take a stack of books you think might have your answer. And you sit down at a table for six hours and you go through all these books trying to find the answer to your question, which now I just open my phone. I I ask GPT or whatever, and it's 20 seconds and done. Like it's just the power. That's true. So I I have seen all of it and it's very exciting and finding how do we apply this to work, right? And then how do we make it, how will GPT augment us as humans so that we can be more productive, we can be faster, we can be, we can be more creative in other ways. So it's very exciting. That's excellent. So I recently, during the pandemic, everybody was arguing about the science of this, the science of that. And I grew up in a house of hard science. My The man who raised me, my step-adopted dad, he worked in applied physics and geology. Those are both hard sciences. I've already have a track record. I've helped a couple of companies do a couple of million. I've interviewed on this podcast around 400 business experts. But I asked myself, what does the science have to say about business success? So I hired seven researchers, seven research teams, and we spent $50,000 between staff and accessing journals. And we went through like 100 years of academic research into business success. And we found that there were eight critical success factors that made or broke success for a small or medium-sized business. And those were, like again, what we did is all these studies said what it makes business success. And we basically looked at all the factors and what are the umbrella categories, I should say, that all these things fit into. And we came up with eight, which was self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management business operations, and business intelligence. And those umbrella categories cover everything from HR to cybersecurity to lead generation, all that stuff. And once we knew those big eight categories, we actually drilled down into each. So what does self-efficacy mean? And you mentioned leadership skills, and it's actually a pillar of self-efficacy. So leadership, according to our research, we did the same thing. We go, okay, what does self-efficacy mean in terms of business? And leadership, we found out self-efficacy, the three pillars are 
personality traits, leadership skills, and personal discipline. And leadership skills, like when someone says I'm working on becoming a leader, what does that mean? I wanted to get the ambiguity out of that. So we determined on our research that self-leadership skills, and I want to know if you would agree with this, is just a reference check. Avoitis has something like 7,000, 8,000 employees. So I think you know about leadership in the company. So leadership, according to our research, is self-awareness skills, communication and cooperation skills, emotional intelligence skills, and adaptability. And that those are the key tenets of that, knowing yourself, knowing how to communicate, cooperate with others and articulate yourself, having the emotional intelligence when working with other people in a team, and then of course, being able to adapt. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? Not to put you on the spot, but I want to see if you're like, no, that's terrible. I don't agree at all or what. You, you, does that sound about right? Obviously. Um, yes, yes, it does. So it's actually, I was reading earlier. It's very interesting because I was also, I'm looking at leadership profiles, right? So mm-hmm. this morning I was reading that the higher you go up the ladder, the more self-aware you should be, mm-hmm. which is something that you mentioned, right? So right. you have to to know, get to know yourself. So that's one thing that we are actually doing right now in the Avoidance Group. We have this, we have defined from our CEO, we have defined 10 behaviors that were, hmm. that are needed to be a transformative person. So we said that should start with our leaders. So what we're doing right now is we actually have a, a self-assessment. It's called, there are many behavioral traits. So we have customized a report to actually show the person how, if they are already behaving according to the 10, what we call mm-hmm. it, avoid these A plus 10 behaviors. So we're bringing it to their awareness so they know how to improve themselves. Mm. I think that's very important among other things like adaptability right now. I think you will not be a successful leader if you don't really keep on, if you don't have that growth mindset and if you don't adapt because everything is just changing so fast. I love that. So I fully agree with those five dimensions that you have mentioned. Yeah, there's the eight critical success factors and each has sub ones. So I was impressed to hear that you talked about leadership behaviors and mindsets. So for to translate that, what we've done, the behaviors might even be personality traits. So like locus of control, you have to be a control freak about the things you can control, not the things you can't. Extroversion. If we weren't willing to network and meet, we might both might be introverts, but we have to demonstrate the behavior of being extrovert. We have to be open to experience. You talked about the transformation. You can't have transformation and not be open to experience agreeableness, conscientiousness, acceptance of criticism and feedback. Those were all listed under the personality traits from our research. And then you talked about mindset that we have the personal disciplines, the physical and mental health disciplines someone has are really important. When I, and this made sense to me, when I grew up in my hometown in Canada, we had the, it used to be the largest military base in Canada, now the second largest, but I used to go to the gym that they had and I was talking to a guy that worked there and I was surprised. He said, I'm a civilian and I work with the military, but even though I'm a civilian, they'll pay me an extra hour every day if I check into the gym here because they have all the research showing that if you are physically fit, you're more mentally and emotionally resilient. You handle stress better. You have higher degree of discipline, a better sense of time management. You have a better degree of urgency. And so these are things that's a, I forget what the saying goes specifically, but it's but a, a healthy man has many wishes, wishes, but a sick man only has one. And I think through the pandemic, a lot of people realize you have all these dreams and goals, but if you don't take care of your health or your mindset, it just stops. Everything else stops, right? If you have a nervous breakdown, you can't really focus on anything else. So I just, I think those culture pillars, I think you're right. 
spot. Not that you're necessarily looking for my acceptance, but I think you're right spot on with what those should be, which is really fantastic to hear coming from you guys. It makes me feel like I'm on the right path. So you said there's a culture pillar. What are the other pillars? So it's the, you know, the tech There's companies. a culture pillar. Yep. Yes, there are four actually. It's a culture pillar, a technology pillar. And then there's an operations pillar looking at the simplifying things in operations. And then, of course, we need the financial pillar, which is the enabler of mm. all this transformation. Mm. So all of these four are working together yeah. so that we can transform the organization. I think that is fantastic. In terms of this, your company and its current objectives, what, like, how do you approach employee training and development? to continue to grow and improve towards these? How you said, mentioned you're starting at the top and working your way down. So that's for the transformation, right? The, because we have a new set of behaviors that we're trying to inculcate within the organization. But in terms of learning and development, the Avoidance Group is very big on that ever since, like when I joined many years ago. So we have this framework of ensuring that we have education. We, people have access to training like the usual classroom training or virtual training. And then we have experience. So it's through learning by experience, being, being given projects, for example, that they can work on. And then exposure is also very important. So exposure to, let's say you're a junior supervisor, you'd be exposed to management meetings, for example, especially if you're being trained already for, for a that, managerial oh, role. Yeah, so, um, correct. So, for example, for we have already access to, I, I think, to many things right now. During the pandemic, I was I was part of the what we call Group HR before, and we drive HR programs across the entire conglomerate. So, one of the things that we've been pushing pre-pandemic was this online online training. Right, mm. we've tried a lot, and we have failed a couple of times, several times, because the adoption for online training was very low. So in 2020, because I was heading that department, I was able to convince, we were able to convince 100 people, only 100 out of the 10,000 people in the avoidance group, only 100 to enroll in, in LinkedIn Learning. So we partnered with LinkedIn Learning and we have 100 users. So they were very happy with it because there's a lot of, there are thousands of courses and we don't have restrictions. They can take as many courses they want. It really depends on their diligence, their interest. So it was very democratic. And they can, we have, we tell them that we have prescribed courses, which the organization needs to push, needs to encourage them to take. But aside from that, they, this Portal is open to open. them, to every right. to those 100 users. Right. And then March 15 came and it was the pandemic and it was declared that everybody now is going to work from home. And all the face-to-face -face training, yep. training and development classes are put on hold. And now all there was, they had a lot of time, those 100 early adopters had a lot of time to access LinkedIn Learning and they have learned a lot. All of a sudden, everyone was asking for access to this portal mm. because they were at home. They didn't have, uh, we don't have face-to-face -face learning and development classes. So everyone now wants to have that access. So from 100 early adopters, we grew to 2,000 people are now enrolled on LinkedIn Learning. And actually oh. now we're doing hybrid learning and development. 
So the success there is really now people are more open. They don't mm-hmm. need to be face to learn. And then we also promoted that you can also actually you yourself is a resource to democratize learning. You can actually create your own micro videos because everyone on TikTok is doing it, right? Everyone. <laughs> so why can't we do it within our organization? So if you want to share something, for example, about what you're doing in operations or what you're doing in marketing, how to sell or how to negotiate, they can also do that. So it's really right. giving people autonomy on when to learn, where to learn, and what to learn, right? So it's it's very important. So the mindset just opens up like that. That's fantastic. So now, there sounds great, but how do you measure the effectiveness of the training program? So there's right. that's a very interesting question. That's yeah. a very interesting question and always a challenging mm. one, right? Mm. We have indicators that we have set for HR and this is actually something, these uh, indicators are also asked by like ESG, for example, in our reports, in our annual report. So we measure those. But what's really important is that when people have, we have what we call individual development plan. Mm-hmm. At the end of the, that's set in the beginning of the year. So they assess themselves. What are their, based on their performance from previous year, what are the, what are their strengths and what do they need to develop further? Mm-hmm. What do they need to develop further to be more productive and effective mm-hmm. in their job? But also if they are being seen as someone who has potential to move to another, another level or another role, they can also put in their IDPs or individual development plans what they need to learn for the future, mm-hmm. future role or potential role. So at the end of the year, those are measured. Have they done that? Is there an improvement in their performance? Or are they more ready to take on another role? So mm-hmm. in terms of productivity, performance, readiness, those are the indicators of learning product, learning effectiveness. The productivity, what were the three? You just said three like buzzwords. Performance. Do they improve their performance, their productivity? Are they more ready? So readiness. Are they more ready for a future, for the next step or a future role? I love that. I love that. I love that. Now, are there any sort of, you talked a bit about self-directed versus kind of prescribed. What specific skills or behaviors do you believe are important for your staff to improve or develop? So in, a, in the culture pillar that's already been identified, mm-hmm. so for example, being more entrepreneurial, that's something that's prescribed to everyone. So that means you're open to new ideas. You keep on mm-hmm. thinking, how do we innovate? How do we monetize this, right? And how do we mm-hmm. work together so that we think we're a, we're a 100-year-old startup? Yeah, yeah. Where are we are 100 years 100 year old but we're thinking like a startup always looking for opportunities hmm. so that one and then we also realize that we also know that digital skills are very important so it's the digital acumen it's being comfortable with technology it's not about a gadget learning how to use a gadget or a specific tool because those gadgets and those tools are going to expire mm-hmm. they're going right. to be updated or right. they're going to be obsolete it's really about the growth mindset mm. knowing that what i'm using now i sh- i shouldn't really fall in love with this like forever right. and ever because this is going to be replaced maybe right. with by ai right. or something else so it's the mindset that I can thrive in a mm. digital world, in a digital mm. environment. Mm. So just a side story, just a backstory. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, we renovated our cafeteria. So it's a really nice one. It's what in the tech companies, right? So 
very colorful and all of that. But what we also did was we implemented a cashless cafeteria, a cafe. Mm. So you can't pay in cash because we wanted people to be more comfortable with online transactions. So they only can use their union bank accounts, which is union bank is part of the avoidance Mm -hmm. group. And we have an app for that. So when they pay, they use their union bank account or Gcash. So those are the things. So those are those little ways that we we try to, the mindset of the employees are already adapting to the changes and to being in a digital economy. I love that. I love that. I love that. So now my next question is, what are some of the greatest mistakes other entrepreneurs or businesses or HR teams making? Biggest mistake. So I think there are many. Sometimes the mistake is not setting the right expectation. For example, people are, will ask, would uh, expect you to paint a very clear picture of the future. Mm. And nobody actually knows that. So they get frustrated when you're not able to articulate that. But who really knows what the future will be like? Yeah. <laughs> and being frustrated with that is something that I think is a mistake or failure. I think there is... What we should also learn is to be comfortable with ambiguity and uncertainty mm-hmm. because that's the way of the world right now. Who knew six months ago that we will have AI and it mm-hmm. will learn this fast and it will, yep. there will be drive. Before I thought that there are certain jobs that will not be replaced, like pilots, for example. But right. now I see that there are planes that are pilotless. Yeah. Yep. So yep. who knew that would come true? So yeah. But I think it goes back to what you're saying about having kind of an entrepreneurial thinking or the open mindset and having the behavior and the leadership skills to understand your strengths and weaknesses. Because even just assessing yourself with what's happening in the world, if you are not self-aware, you may overestimate your ability to adapt, right? And that's also, like we said, the leadership skills, adaptability. So I think it really fits in with everything that you've been saying, that being comfortable with ambiguity, that You can't control the outcomes, but you can control the process. And through controlling the process, you can better prepare yourself for almost any outcome. I think that's really Mm -hmm. good. I think it's difficult for for me in the beginning because I was used to project management style. It's Mm -hmm. waterfall style that just is phase one, phase two, phase three. But now we... When I went through the agile training, it's really, it has become more iterative. Like I don't yes. have to be perfect yes. the first time. Yes. So that for me is really liberating. Okay, let's do this. Let's test it. And let's ask people to comment on it. So you become more, you even become more open to criticism. I want it. I want yeah. your opinion so I can get better. I, I, yes. One of the, there's a guy named Naval Ravikant. He's invested I think he said something like 70 exits. He's a VC, like venture capitalist, mm-hmm. had 70 successful exits from investments he's made. And 10 of them were unicorn companies, billion dollar valuations. And so he says it's not 10,000 hours, it's 10,000 iterations. And I just, I love that. It's not 10,000 hours. It's because the project management mindset is just to get to the finish line and do a good job when you get there. But with deadlines and that and chaos and unexpected things, it's very rare that something gets pushed out the door. Great. Right. But that iterate, we learn through doing and then reflecting and then doing again and improving. And all everything that we want in life comes from playing long-term games with long-term people, whether it's 
like you said, a project or developing something to relationships to a business. It, it's all compound interest. So you really have to be focused on the long term. Yeah, I love that you said that, the iterations. Because the other thing is the mindset. You talked about mindset before, right? It's not only just growth or fixed mindset, but it's even like creativity. If you have a fear, anxiety, panic state, this deadline's coming up, you get tunnel vision, which can be good for meeting a deadline. It can be good from running away from a tiger that's chasing you. But when you're trying to create and you want to be, make sure that you're, that you're filling in all the spots on the canvas, you really want to come to it with a playful, creative attitude. And I just think, I think we're getting good stuff, people. I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> now, personally, what habits do you feel have helped you on your path to success? I've said some of the things I got from your story, but what habits do you feel helped you on your path to success? I think the very first one, which is really something that I've been doing a long time, is really studying. Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of people and see what they're doing. I think that learning, uh, learning mindset, sometimes it can also be maybe something that I should work on because sometimes I, I enjoy the learning process more than the actually applying it because I really get engrossed. Some, sometimes I tell myself, if I can only get paid to be a student, I will do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I just want to read books and, and listen to people. And then the next one is really to have to seek advice. So I'm not afraid to ask questions and to say that I don't understand this. Please share with me your thoughts. Or I, I have worked on this. This is my draft. Can you build on it? For example, building on it is not a Filipino thing to say. So in the teams that I have worked with, I started sharing with them that when you have something or like when you're working on something or a draft, share it with us and then ask us, how can you build on this? So it's not like when we give an opinion or we give a suggestion, it's not like we're destroying what you already started. Mm. We're actually just making it better and better. better. So yeah. I just want to build on that. So we started saying, oh, I want to build on that, what you said or your first draft, etc. That is so for me though, yeah. So for me, that's very important. And the third thing that I have learned is what you said earlier, because I'm naturally an introvert. So mm. I'd rather stay at home, for example. And if I uh, before I didn't really want to reach out to people that I don't know because they might reject me and all of that. But during the pandemic, because I was just in the room, I started reaching out to many people and I was very surprised and delighted that they really respond and they're very generous about what their knowledge and their experience and they really share it with you. Because of that, now I have a network of people that I can reach out to. I'm not afraid to connect with other people as well. So I started going out. That's why you've seen in my profile that I'm now very I'm more active on LinkedIn because, mm -hmm. be, but because of that. And there's a lot of people that's really inspiring and I don't really have a big ego. So I can just really approach them and say, I need help. Would you, are you available to do this and help us with this and, and that? So those are the three things that I actually, the habits that I really enjoy doing. And it's very, it has become more natural to me. I love that. That's such a good tip. Now, I know that you've got another meeting, so I want to be very respectful for your time. There, I've got, usually when I do a call, I've got one, two pages of notes. I have four pages of notes. So I really hope people <laughs> listening to this go back 
and listen again and make sure they got all the golden nuggets out of this. Cause this is, there's, is Ruby, is there a secret room? Are you going to go somewhere else and be like, okay, guys, this is the real magic. Or are you giving the goods right here, right now? Oh, what you, what you hear is what you get. So, there's no secret room. <laughs> yeah, there's no magic room. There's nowhere where we're going to go and be like, okay, now that the camera's off, this is the real answer. Yeah, so definitely you may want to listen to this more than once. Make sure you get all the goods. Ruby, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about? Maybe how do we keep our well-being? How do we... Yeah? So that's very important as well because there's a lot of things that's happening right now and we tend to... Our trophies is about our success at work or maybe how busy we are. But we should also be, I think we should also be taking care of ourselves. You mentioned that earlier, the importance of physical activity and all of that. For me, that's also very important. I'm nearing my golden year, which is something that I'm looking forward to. But I also realized that there are many things that I am not doing, like taking care of myself. I should take care of myself better. Sleep is now very important to me. So important. So I hope we have concerts at 3 p.m. rather than... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. So, yeah, well-being is very important. And I was just thinking about it. And how do we really keep ourselves well? So it's really, for me at my age, it's really about giving value to what's important to me, like family, my children, for example, and being with people that I love and inspire me. I think those things are important as well as taking care of yourself, eating more, eating well, and spending time with loved ones. So my parents are in their, I think they're turning 85, they turned 85 this year. It's important for me to spend time with them mm. as well. So well-being is, I think, is priceless. It's yeah. precious and priceless. I love that. That's such a good note to finish on. Ruby, if people have really enjoyed this, if they want to reach out and learn more, is LinkedIn the best place to reach you? Which Is there anything anywhere else that they should go Yes, LinkedIn is the best place to reach me. I am. You can connect with me through LinkedIn and you can send me a message and then we can continue our conversation. Yeah, so Ruby J, if you just do Ruby J Transformation Leadership, she'll come up on LinkedIn. Do a search there. And her full name is R-U-B-Y-J-A-U-C-I-A-N. But as I learned at the beginning, it's pronounced How Shan. Is that right? How Sean, right? Right. But it's perfect. It's J-A-U-C-I-A-N. So just if you go into LinkedIn, you search R-U-B-Y-J-U-C-I-A-N or Ruby J and transformation and leadership. She should come up. She's just a heavy hitter on LinkedIn. Definitely check her out. Ruby, thank you so much. I know with all the staff that you have and all the programs you have going, you could have spent this time with your people. So I really appreciate you coming and sharing with my people so we can all learn do things a little bit better. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you very much, Daryl. I enjoyed our conversation. All the best to you and your family.